1: Uh, with Karen and Chris. Welcome to Do You Need a Ride? This is Chris Fairbanks.
0: And this is Karen Kogareth.
1: Hello, my friend Karen.
0: Hello, Chris. What's going down? Oh,
1: God, I've done so much today. Let's see. It's kind of overcast. I watched a video of an octopus that punches fish. Yes. Uh, just out of spite. Such a good one. Uh, and then I went down a, a little wormhole seeing if there's other octopuses that are mean. And there are, apparently.
0: An octopus they, hole.
1: Yeah, they're the bullies of the uh, the sea. They know they have eight arms. And they just You mean up. they
0: do that? They, they just do stuff like that all the time?
1: Apparently, yeah.
0: Did you by chance watch the Netflix show My Octopus Teacher, <laughs> which I think is the best <laughs> title of all time?
1: Uh I know of it, but I just assumed it was a documentary. So, of course, I didn't watch it.
0: Same. (laughs) But I I do this thing where I turn the TV on. I think I'm going to shop around for a show to watch. Netflix, whatever it lands on, it starts rolling that, like, basically trailer for it. And then I just get up and do other stuff and listen to the trailer five times before I come back to the TV. So I feel like I knew... I don't want to watch a dude go on a journey where he's taught by an octopus. Like, if I realized that in watching that trailer where I was just like, I, I'm sure it's actually kind of very moving and cool and they have emotions and yeah. stuff. Octopuses do, but I don't care.
1: Uh, yeah, and and now that I know, they just teach you the ways of sea violence uh, <laughs> the,
0: what's really good is that in that video you are talking about the octopus punches up fish as if he's not looking that's what it looks like in the video so it's like the fish comes up it looks like the octopus isn't looking that direction and yet the arm goes out and punches so the fish. you've
1: seen the very video yes
0: it's the best it's, it's a th-
1: fish that's just coming to say hi slowly hey. in a non-aggressive swim
0: what's up and
1: he just does a side punch with number four <laughs> Right into the coral reef. <laughs>
0: it's really, it's really delightful. Second only to that, there's the one video of the octopus, and it looks like he's running on some of his legs while he's holding like some sort of a shell or something. So he's like running and then hiding and running and hiding. Have you seen that one? No
1: in a playful like fashion he's, or he's actually trying I think to hide. he's trying
0: to hide from maybe the cameraman that's filming him yeah. or something but it's like he's got he got himself you know, a half a coconut, and he's kind of like trying to get out of there. And then he just bails and like goes under there and hides. What's this, a cartoon? Then,
1: What's this, SpongeBob?
0: This is SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> there I'm we so go. Sorry. There we go. There it is. There's a pineapple <laughs> um, uh, squid that plays the clarinet,
1: a squirrel with an astronaut helmet that's really a fishbowl <laughs> from the south.
0: Can I do my brag about Sandy Squirrel again? Yes, you can. Even though I've told this story a thousand times on this podcast. It's been long
1: enough that I've forgotten, but that's most things.
0: Perfect. (laughs) Sandy Squirrel was my neighbor in the last neighborhood I lived in. (laughs) The (laughs) woman who played Sandy Squirrel, Carolyn Lawrence, who is a lovely human being, a very successful realtor. I always feel like I'm pronouncing that wrong. And she lived on the end of my street. And so she and I just started talking when she moved into that house. And then eventually I was just like, have we met before? Do I know you? And she was like, I'm Sandy Squirrel.
1: <laughs> <Spine> oh, that's <laughs> so great.
0: And it was like, I've never been that star starstruck in my life. Like, I'm a true fan. And then with
1: that, she became a realtor or she just, cause you know, like the guy that did the voice of Tigger, I've said a million times, he helped, he patented the, one of the first artificial heart valves. No one knows that, you know, these, a lot of these voiceover artists have other gigs.
0: They're multi-talented. Tom Kenny, he does other voiceover work.
1: Yeah. and <laughs> not,
0: It's not heart surgery. No.
1: <laughs> he came up but with one funny. of the first hot air balloons. A lot of people don't know that about Tom Kenny. <laughs> about,
0: about Tom Kenny? Yeah, yeah. He invented the original hot air balloon?
1: Yeah, based on a sketch by Da Vinci. But he he's the one, he <laughs> sewed it. He got a big old basket. <laughs> Got rid he asked of the his for eight
0: hundred dollars. Yep,
1: and and put a put a squirrel. He started with a squirrel, put it in flight. No one ever saw it again, and that's when he knew it worked. I'm making things up. That's how we know my chicanery <laughs> should conclude, <laughs> and we should bring in today's guest.
0: Today's guest.
1: Very excited.
0: You know her and you love her. She plays clubs and colleges all over the country. Please welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Put your hands together for Subha Argoal. Hi. <laughs> Hi,
1: Subha. So many college. How are, how's that college circuit going?
0: Is how are the colleges these days in this woke environment? <laughs> oh man, these kids and their cancel culture. Am I right?
1: Uh, <laughs> oh man, are you? Let's get into it.
0: off every stage. They keep having me back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, How are you? We've never, I don't think we've met in person, but I follow you on Twitter and you're hilarious. Oh, thank you. That's uh, very kind of you.
2: Um, <laughs> it is like weird because I listen to My Favorite Murder a lot. So it is like weird oh, when I'm you. like, it's like that you think you're familiar with somebody because you follow them. And so you have to like watch what you say. So you're not yes. a psychopath. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Where you can't really let on that you kind of know about them <laughs> In a way they don't know about. Exactly. Yeah. You're I, like, I have
2: some dogs who make noise. And I'm like, oh, do you? And I'm like, don't say anything weird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's sweet. That. And I'm sure you've, you've, you're very familiar with me as well. I am yes. just kidding. <laughs> Did it, you started writing jokes when you were 16. That's so amazing to me. And I wondered if you could remember what kind of jokes you wrote back then.
2: Oh god, they were so bad. I'm like so grateful <laughs> social media wasn't around uh yeah, when I right? started. Oh my god.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Cuz like the thing was, I there was a comedian, the reason I got into stand-up comedy was a comic named Russell
1: Peters. Yeah, mm, who, from Canada.
2: Yeah, and he was like the first I think South Asian comic a lot of us had seen yeah. and so like he did a lot of Indian people are like this and like all these groups are like that or whatever and um I was trying to imitate him, but the difference was I grew up in like a mostly white suburb, so I had no idea what I was talking about. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, I started doing uh, stand-up at this um, part billiards club, part open mic that, I, unfortunately, Ooh. I heard shut down, but although maybe that's for the best. Um, it sounds guess. like it. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> Truly. But it was called Pressure Cafe, and it was in a really Indian part of Chicago, next to Devon Avenue. So I would like come and I would tell jokes about my family and about what I thought Indian people, what I imagined we were like. (laughs) There would be like room full of like just angry Indian people. Just stone face me. They're like, we're not like that. And I was like,
0: oh, I have to stop doing (laughs) this. That is rough. That's like, it's not just the average audience being like, I don't know. It's like people were like, we're here to fact check you. This is incorrect.
1: That's why they called it pressure. (laughs) Did people at least stop playing pool while you performed? Or could you just hear the clacking of balls your whole set? I'm
2: trying to remember. (laughs) I don't think there was a lot of pool going on while the show was going on. I think they may have stopped the billiards for the shows, which (sighs) thank God. That's a good sign. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, also an an open mic, not even like a structured Joe, but just kind of like, hey, get up there and see what you can do or or go ahead and play some snooker. It's up to you.
1: (laughs) And you had to get a fake ID to go in there.
2: Yeah, I mean, not pressure, because like and again, I feel like it changed now where everybody cards. But um, Most bars in Chicago at the time did not give a shit. And (laughs) I looked young. Like, I look young for my age now. When I was like 17, 16, I looked like a child. (laughs) And not not only did I look like a child, I was so socially awkward. And I had my high school backpack with me. (laughs) And I was in advanced classes, so they were full of just thick, thick textbooks. So I was like hunched over, (laughs) clearly a kid. (laughs) My TI-83 was like falling out of my backpack as I'm walking into the bar and nobody
0: said anything. (laughs) They were like, give her a chance.
1: I think about that all the time, though, because comics are getting younger and younger and they're getting good at stand-up immediately. (laughs) I, yeah. I wonder where, because even to have young fans come to a show, it's impossible if they aren't over 21. Yeah. That's always been a problem. I, think.
2: I mean, eventually I got a fake ID because it's started getting um, stricter and stricter. Some dude in the back of a hookah lounge in Pittsburgh <laughs> yeah. gave me an ID he claimed so, yep. scanned.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you wanted but... to vote, probably. <laughs>
2: That's really what it was. I was like, I got to get into politics. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you really started stand-up at 16, technically. No, 17 I mean, like, at 17. Oh, 17.
2: But I started writing jokes at 16 because I didn't think I could get on stage. Uh, I thought I was too young. And then um, a world history teacher came in bragging about an all-ages open mic he did.
0: He was trying to look cool to all the kids. <laughs> um. No, but I did go to the <laughs> mic after <laughs> you said that. Nice. Now did you get to mix like get some comedy friends or did you just kind of like treat it like your secret after school career?
2: I did. I did get um cuz it was like right when I was graduating high school, so it it was like I kind of started actually no, that's not true. I formed some really good friendships. And I think that was probably like the best um because I was too young to realize what I was getting into, so I was like <laughs> full of hope and like excitement and yeah. like naiveness and like all you and all of your friends, like go to open mics together. There isn't like, um, you're too new for like show business to be weird or make it weird or for people to get weird. So <laughs> I think that was the best. Cause you're like, oh man, this is this cool thing we're doing. All of my friends are with me. It was, um, yeah, that was super cool. <laughs> were,
1: were they mostly older friends?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Super creepy that they were hanging out with me. On paper,
1: but I, when I started skateboarding and I was about that, I was 14 or 15. I had friends that were 20 and I'm, in retrospect, I think it was pretty healthy. I did learn about things a little early, but because they were good people, they were like, don't do like us, (laughs) you know, as they blow cigarette smoke in my face. But (laughs) and comedy was like that, too. Yeah.
0: Well, comedy is, I think there are people who recognize, um, most of the time it's like there's people who went through terrible shit themselves. So like when they see a younger person, it's kind of like, you know, pull them in and make sure that it's not a horrifying situation. I hope at least some Uh, female comics. That was
2: thrown to the wolves, but I'm (laughs) fine. (laughs)
0: Chicago's a tough town. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it, I think it's much better now because um, it's like that was like, um, oh, God, how old am I? That was like 15, 16 years ago. Oh, so, wow. And it's like people, there's like so many more uh, women and like even like Indians doing comedy. Yeah. Like there's a group of comics in Los Angeles called Facial Rec. And it's like a group of Indian girls who started comedy to be like, we're not the same person because we kept getting mixed up. <laughs> Facial
1: and, wreck. I love that. Yeah. That's so funny. Wait,
2: who else is in it? Um, okay, so Fiza Dasani, Pallavi Gunalan, um, Zara, Ali. I think those are the three main producer. And then Jen Jolly's in there a lot. And so is Kieran Deal. Um, I'm not a producer. I just do the show a lot. But mm-hmm. it was mind-blowing to me that there were enough of us. And they were like annoyed enough to start this group where I was like... <laughs> That was not the case, like, uh, 15 years ago. And it's so cool. And I think it's, like, a better environment for young girls now. For sure. Whereas, like, back then, it was just, like, I was, oh, my God. Because, like, I didn't even understand, like, half of what was going on around me. Because I was sheltered. Like, sheltered. Like, I thought popping a cherry was a bartender trick with a maraschino cherry. Like, I didn't know (laughs) anything. So it was crazy. (laughs) like i turned 18 and then one of the uh the like some host of a show was like and she's legal and i was like for oh, what no. like i didn't know
0: anything oh, it was man. bad <laughs> and in that i mean yeah that's rough that's I know. rough cuz the crazy. boys are yeah <laughs> the the boys can be um kind of gross sometimes yeah. well but also you know and then it's like in the name of comedy when i started i was 20 and it was the 90, it was in 1990. So there was some, yeah, there's some pretty insane shit that you're just like either go along with it or leave. But those yeah. there's no other choice. Yeah. There's no, there's no kind of standing up to it. It's like, are you a part of this or not? Mm-hmm. So I I love the idea that at least these days, there's enough exposure and people can watch other people do comedy like from their room on YouTube or whatever, where they can kind of teach themselves how to do it. So by the time they get to an open mic, they, you know, can handle it a little bit.
2: Yeah, that was kind of how I learned because um, my parents had like an illegal cable hookup. That I don't even fully understand. Uh, <laughs> so it, it's like you could watch one thing because the signal was split somehow. So you could watch one thing on the TV and then the VCR could record or the whatever it was could record what was playing mm-hmm. um, like a different channel. So I would just record Comedy Central And then I would wait for my parents to go to sleep and then I would watch Comedy Central just like all night. And then like, that's how I was like trying to learn how to do jokes, which was kind of like weird and fragmented because I feel like a lot of comics, like they listen to albums or their parents like, Gave them comedy albums and was like, oh, this is Bill Hicks. But like, I just knew Premium Blend and shit. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was great. And I would be like, oh, I love that joke. I saw that on Premium Blend. And people would be like, that was Bill Hicks, you idiot. And I'm like,
0: yeah. oh.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're getting everyone in seven minute snippets. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Clip shows and, yeah. I did a premium blend set that was so terrible. (laughs) I think I got cut from the episode. (laughs) It was back when I was still drinking, and it was kind of in the midst of that, like, alt-comedy um, thing where it's like, oh, bring your notebook on stage and talk about your day and all that kind of stuff. And I had a set, but I was being very casual about it where it's just like, I'll figure it out when I get there. And then it was like in this theater and it was just this gigantic audience. I think the audience had like 800 people in wow. it yeah. and they bust them in. And so instead of it being like a comedy club audience, it was, it was kind of like, it felt like a stadium almost. And I was just like, I had like three jokes in the beginning that were good. And then it just kind of went way off kilter. And that's kind of the last I heard of it. <laughs> it was just like, it was like, and then we spoke no more. Yeah, um, they, yeah.
1: They really tricked that audience too, because they used to have them all go into, I believe it was called the Hudson Theater where I did it. And the audience would, they just thought they're watching one episode of four comics, <laughs> but they would keep them there all day for yes. like three tapings. And by Four the end, them. I remember they were very tired and they just wanted to do a fun vacation thing. That like so like being on <laughs> Price is Right or something. Like, right. wait, we have to sit here and worry about continuity?
0: <laughs> and back then, I feel like audiences would show up and be like, well, let's go to do this as a you know, an activity as opposed to comedy fans. The way it is now where it's like mm. people go to see specific comedians and they like comedy and it's a whole attitude. Whereas like in the in the 90s, it truly was people that were like, we'll have a drink and listen to whoever's on stage. It was very like reversed in that way. Yeah. Um, where they were like the opposite of comedy nerds. They were kind of like comedy resistant a little <laughs> bit. And you had to really like... Find them and get them and bring them all the way in. Which, of course, I've never been able. To, that's just not how I do it. It's like if you don't like me, then good. I don't like you either. <laughs> now, what do we do?
1: Yeah, you're right. That was back when I started, early 2000, I guess 99. They were it was a bar on Sixth Street in Austin, and they would. There was a a guy on the sidewalk that was bringing people in. Sometimes again, the, like they were just being polite coming in, but they were so drunk. They didn't even know <laughs> what they were about to watch. And then they yeah. were held captive. It's, uh, it's so funny. People go there on purpose now. The Velveeta room's doing great. But.
2: <laughs> There's a club in New York that I played when I was um, younger that's like, It's like LOL comedy. It's in Times Square. It's like famous for they would just like give tickets to these people on the streets who were like, some of them were like visibly strung out. I'm like, they're not (laughs) like, which also like you're buying tickets from a person who is sweating in a trench coat. Like, obviously, this isn't what you're actually like. You're not. He doesn't have Chris Rock tickets. <laughs> like,
1: yes, exactly.
2: The promise of comedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like people would come into those shows and like, oh my God, they would be constantly getting scammed. They're Like we thought we were going to see Amy Schumer. And then it's yeah. just like poor people have been like doing this for five years. And you're like, uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry.
1: And <laughs> the back of the room is all vice cops that came in because they thought they just saw a a trench coat drug deal. <laughs> we tell you, slip him the paper. It's acid.
0: No, it's tickets. I bet that that owner owned like LOL comedy and the strip club two doors down. And it just like whatever makes the most money, whatever whichever one sells more drinks. One hundred
2: percent. I know yeah. there was there was like a comic one time who got into a fight with audience where he was like literally holding up. I think it was chairs. There was a chair fight. Oh no! I was like, this is this this is crazy. <laughs> But if you can make it there at LOL
0: Comedy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for real, actually, you can make it to therapy and stop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nobody needs to be there. <laughs> Figure out why you want to do this. It's such a mistake.
1: Yeah. I, rem- I did a club in, in Calgary once, and that was the problem they had with me is because they are in the business of selling drinks. And the owner said, You don't, your comedy doesn't sell drinks. And it was such a funny way to think about, I, I guess I got to do more uh, references to thirst quenching, like t- tell stories about a, a canteen filled with sand. I don't know. like what? How do you make people buy drinks? I think he just meant I wasn't like a party comic. I think That's that hilarious. used to be the thing you're supposed to do. Drink up. You guys drinking? You're supposed to mention it during your act.
0: How many people here are alcoholics? <laughs> yeah. Prove it. Prove it.
1: What did what did you uh, go to college for? Suba?
2: Oh, nothing related to any of this. I, um, <laughs> I okay. So I started as a bioengineer, and then wow. um, I went to the University of Pittsburgh because uh, they gave me a scholarship, and I was like, oh, Pittsburgh, it'll it's a big city, it'll have like a robust comedy scene. It's like <laughs> eh, should have googled that. Um, but, <laughs> I showed up there and then I found out, um, even though I had been like forced into all these advanced classes and I was technically starting, I think as a sophomore or junior or something, it was gonna take me like four years in Pittsburgh to finish my degree as a bioengineer. And I was like, absolutely not. (laughs) I'm not staying in Pittsburgh for four years, (laughs) I can't. And uh, my roommate was like, oh, why don't you be an actuarial mathematician? Uh, My dad tells me there's tons of jobs in New York. And oh, I was wow. like, oh, I mean, and this is like an obnoxious thing to say, but I was like, oh, math is easy for me. I can do that and then just like focus on comedy. So I, without looking into it at all, I <laughs> legitimately changed my major overnight and I became an actuarial mathematician. And here's the thing, if you don't know about actuaries, yeah, they have these is- like licensing exams you have to take. And these, these, these um, books to study for them are like... Um, Like eight inches thick, hundreds of... It was crazy. That you're bringing
1: to comedy shows in a backpack. (laughs) Yes. But
2: I didn't know any of the exams because I didn't research what I was dedicating my life to because I'm stupid. And (laughs) I got that book and I saw what I had to do and realized it hit me for the first time after I'd already changed once. And I had like my first full-blown panic attack. (laughs) And then I realized that's what I had been having on stage, like, slightly. Like <laughs> oh, this is what
0: this, this familiar is. familiar feeling.
2: I was like, I couldn't feel my hands and I couldn't breathe. I was like, oh, my God, that's what happens when I'm on stage. I'm like, oh, is that panic?
1: <laughs> so is that like taking statistics, like social statistics and the, like you're. I don't know what an actuary is.
2: <laughs> it's like you uh, financially model risk, I think, is like the oh, official okay. definition. So and then you can work for property and casualty or you can work for life or insurance. And yeah, then you can yeah. like there's a lot of things you can do with it. So boring. Yeah. I, so <laughs> just the worst.
1: I did. That was the one thing in college, though, that because that, I, unlike you, did not excel in math uh but uh that was the uh, statistics class was one i had i was failing and i was trying and i still was getting an f even though i was putting so much effort into it and and i thought okay i'm not i can't remember what job that leads to but we also had a graphing calculator
2: It's funny because like my friend who is like actually dedicated to being an actuary and was still chill with me he was like, you know, the other actuaries hate you. And I was like, y'all hang out. And he was like, yeah, he's like, you don't find any of the work and you're doing great. And they know you don't care. They hate your guts. And I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> so wait did you get your degree in that I did I almost dropped out but then a comic <laughs> in New York was like you have one more semester finish your degree and yeah. I was like okay yes. <laughs> but well,
0: yeah and that comic was Russell Peters <laughs> thank you Russell <laughs> have thank you ever Russell worked, worked with Russell Peters
1: does he know that you no. inspired him at that level
2: no it, I mean it's like weird we keep like missing each other but hopefully one day who knows <laughs>
1: Yeah, there is. That is someone that I have never seen someone kill a room so hard. Uh, yeah, I've just seen him like at the ice house here. He's very yeah, uh, he
0: crushes, crushes, <laughs> so good.
1: He does not have a plan B. It's just to crush. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait, Suba. So, did you ever work? Did you try to get a job with that degree yeah. while you were doing comedy? Like, yeah.
2: Um, okay, so here's what <laughs> happened. I I wanted the job so somebody would pay me to move to New York. That was the whole goal. And they did. They, um, New York Life hired me, which was a mistake. I think <laughs> when I was interning there over the summer, I convinced another intern to hide behind a door because the third person was like late for the meeting and we jumped out and it wasn't the third intern. It was the hiring manager coming to check <laughs> <up on> <laughs> <us>. <laughs> I, to this day, I just remember her blonde hair flying in the <laughs> darkness and her clipboard going across the room. And I was like, that should have been your first warning sign not to hire me. Uh, <laughs> but I did. They hired me. And the thing is, they um, when you initially... Because there are so many licensing exams, it takes years to become fully licensed. So they give you paid time off to study. Wow. So I was just doing open mics and sleeping until 3 p.m. <laughs> and so... I I took the job and I did the job. I was fine, Um, but I knew I was going to fail that exam and fail it hard because I hadn't even (laughs) opened the book. And I was such a goody two-shoes. All my coworkers were like, yeah, people fail all the time. They just move you to a different part of the company. Don't worry. And I just couldn't (laughs) accept failing. So I quit, which was dumb because I didn't read my contract and I had to give back my signing bonus devastated. Oh, no. <laughs> I, know. No. I was literally walking down the streets in New York and I just started crying because I was like so young. I didn't understand money or like what I was doing. And then I just remember this toddler who like started to walk over to me and then his dad grabbed the kid's arm. and He's like, oh, no, 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 honey, we don't go near that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, bre- no actuarial breakdowns. He cannot handle <laughs> what she is going through right now.
1: It's a lesson every toddler must learn.
0: <laughs> so, are you the kind of person that you can, like, if someone's like, "What's the tip on this bill?" You just know it immediately. Like, math is just very natural for you.
2: Um, it used to be. I think my brain's atrophied. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like genuinely
2: after I like got out of actuarial math in that program, I like never looked at it again because I had zero passion for it. I didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah, I just thought I needed a backup. I mean, like, I wish, (laughs) I wish I had parents who had been just like a little bit supportive because like, (laughs) I would have like studied writing or acting or something that I actually like had to go back and learn on my own later instead of like a skill set that I never used. But my mom, my whole, my mom's whole thing was I was going to be a homeless prostitute (laughs) if I didn't go and like be an engineer. So I was like, oh, I have to have a backup thing. So I was like, oh, that'll be my thing. And then of course it was just, Completely, utterly useless.
0: <laughs> it's so specific. I mean, yeah. we have um, our family friends. It's my sister's best friend. Her husband's family is Sri Lankan. Mm. And my niece, when she was like four years old, kept telling people she wanted to be a cheerleader when she grew up. Like, that, oh. so people be like, what do you want to be? And she'd be like a cheerleader. And Robin's mom, Pushpa, when Nora said that to her, she goes, don't be a cheerleader, be a doctor. <laughs> She was four years old. I was like, oh, I get it. I get this intensity. I understand. Yeah. (laughs) So cute. Oh, my (laughs) God. So cute.
1: (laughs) I, I hope she became a cheerleader. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: <I> do. <laughs> she's only a sophomore now so just, she still has you know all that all that's still in front of her but it, we used to laugh so hard where it's like really she's four years old you're not just going to kind of play along with this plan but Pushpa was very afraid that she was taking that seriously yeah. and it's like it, I need to get this out of your system now it's don't no one wants you to do this My mom almost
2: pulled me out of the Girl Scouts uh, when I was little because they (laughs) went around the circle and they asked everybody what they wanted to be when they were older. And apparently, I don't remember any of this, but she said like six of the girls in a row said mom. And she was like, I got to get her (laughs) out of (laughs) here. She's like, nope, this (laughs) does not align with the plan
0: we have for our daughter.
2: (laughs) Which is so funny because now I don't want kids. And she's like, oh,
1: shit. Yeah. <laughs> You're
0: like, but do you want to be a Girl Scout? Because you could go back. <laughs> do you like selling cookies? <laughs>
1: now, some sometimes on IMDb, like for a while it said I was in some cartoon called, oh, I don't even remember what it was called. But it was like a Pixar movie. And I just agreed because it was on IMDb. But were you really in on General Hospital? Yeah, I was. That How? How did that happen? <gasps>
2: Ooh. Um, I mean, I just auditioned for him okay. like a couple times. And it was funny because, um, my mom grew up, like I grew up with her watching General Hospital yeah. and then to like randomly get, like, I just played a nanny and it was so General Hospital because they only gave me, I only saw like a page and a half. And in that page and a half, somebody was in an undersea diving accident and I <laughs> I handed somebody a baby and then it turns out the baby the father wasn't the actual father. Like within <laughs> it was chaos. I was like this is wild.
1: And that could have I been any script that season. There I is know. yeah, air, Amnesia. I Pete Lee is a comic uh that's doing well right now and he was on may maybe I don't know if it's general he was on a uh on a soap opera. I just always thought that oh was God, so was interesting because they're so dramatic.
0: I know. Also those weird, the ways where, and I know it's like the joke everyone does, but the way you have to hold, you say a line, then you have to hold yeah. a position until they like basically fade out to commercial. But it's so unrealistic where it's like, yes, I, I, don't love you anymore and then everyone stands there (laughs) for eight seconds before they actually cut away it's so stressful to me where i'm like how are these people you just stare off i guess and like clear your brain it's intimidating that set works like a machine
2: because they've been there for so long um i got lost on set twice uh (laughs) (laughs) and i um i've never held a baby before not really (laughs) and they gave me like a live baby. So I was terrified. I was like, I cannot drop this thing. And then there were motion cues where like, I was like, did he really say go? And then at one point a camera dude just pushed my shoulder and was like, <laughs> 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 carrying this baby. I was like, this is a nightmare. And it, because it moves so fast. It's not like any other set I've ever been on. It was so crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, because they have to like, they have to get that whole, th- I bet you they shoot multiple episodes in a day, oh, right? Oh, sure.
1: Yeah, when yeah. was this?
0: I think this was
2: this year.
1: Oh wow! So it, there, it wasn't COVID times because that was the only productions that were still going. And mid-quarantine soap operas were so funny because they, if there was a love scene or any interaction, they actually had that real-life person's husband on set, and so they'd <laughs> they'd be talking from across the room on this couch, and then all of a sudden, a hairy arm, like someone else's arm that didn't match the actor. <laughs> Would embrace. <laughs> it was so interesting how they shot it. It 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 uh, it made oh me laugh God, very funny. Hard when I watched.
2: it. <laughs> no, it was um, post COVID. I mean, we we still did like triple testing and sure. stuff because the the baby was so young. But yeah, it was like <laughs> post. <laughs> Who pushes your baby.
1: Yeah. yeah. What a that you don't push someone holding a baby, that camera guy.
2: <laughs> I watched so many YouTube videos on different baby holds. I was so worried. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just cramming for that for that exam, the, the exam of holding a baby the next day. <laughs> and that was in New York. General Hospital shoots in New York or was it out here? No, it was in LA. Oh, it was in LA. Mm-hmm. We just watched the movie Soap Dish. I don't know if anybody has seen that movie. It's so good if you haven't seen it. It's really hilarious. Like it holds up, but they shoot in in the movie, they're shooting in New York. So then I was like, oh, that was in New York because I just watched (laughs) that movie.
1: Yeah, I always thought there was one way to hold a baby. The classic hand behind (laughs) the head. But I don't know either. I don't know. I that's didn't know there was different, different styles. If you're
0: using that baby as a ventriloquist dummy, that's the right <laughs> yeah, way yeah. that actually works.
1: Yeah. I, my baby is going to have a horsey voice and talk about traffic.
0: <laughs> no, and it's,
1: uh, Palm
2: to front of face. Um, really get your nails in. You want a good grip.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Dig
0: in there. <laughs> oh so God. if anyone pushes you from behind.
1: <laughs> You've got to palm it like a little basketball. <laughs>
0: What a weird, also, what a weird thing to essentially rent your baby to a soap opera. I'm sure it's very lucrative business, but that must feel odd. But it's also, like,
2: cool to be, like, show, I mean, I don't know if your kid would be mad
0: at you, but to be like, look, like you're on TV and
2: be like, why'd you do that to me? But, like, yes, also,
1: Yeah, yes. it is. I went, when I first was, when I was in Austin and I wanted to get into acting, there was, like, a casting set you had to pay. I'm embarrassed that I did it. I paid $400 and uh, and you meet casting agents and mm, then they tell yeah. you, you need to fly to, you need to live in New York or LA. Uh, but <laughs> so many people brought their babies. They're just like, this is a gifted baby. I have the perfect baby. It's going to be a Gerber baby. <laughs> and I was, re- it kind of really bummed me out more so than like pageants or anything like that. Like people that want to have famous babies.
0: Yeah. That's pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> It's also like you want your baby to be in the grossest business on the planet. (laughs) You're signing your baby up for that, for like the most amoral uh, setup, basically.
1: My baby's going to do it because I was never a cheerleader. Yeah. (laughs)
0: I think I've told you this story but there was one time I was at a way back in the day when I used to audition for things and I was at in this audition and I watched this mom try to it was like we were all there reading you know it was like the the sassy you know, slutty best friend part. And then there was, they were also casting for like eight-year-old boy part. And there was an eight-year-old boy there that was so cute. And he was kind of there, you know, just hanging out and holding his sides. And then there was this mother who was there with her eight-year-old son. And she, the mother was trying to like, mind fuck the other boy. And so she was like, (laughs) is your mom not here with you? Oh, does that mean you don't know your lines? And I was sitting across from her, staring at her like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, are you the worst person on the... And I literally ended up leaving because I was so grossed out. And then I'm like, why did I move here? What am I doing? Like, I don't give a shit. I'm not like, I didn't go to Juilliard. I don't care this much that, like, there's people around you, just anything for anything for a one-line part on a sitcom.
2: LA is crazy like that. I mean, I see that in like comedy. Like, I'm a pretty... I mean, I know I've done some stuff like on paper, but I'm I'm not like anyone to care about and then like people will, like kiss my ass at parties sometimes and i'm like oh my god if you're doing that to me what are you doing to actual famous people <laughs> that's crazy like it's just like oh it feels like oil on your skin where it's just like yeah.
0: so you weird <laughs> it's really weird So weird.
1: I was in some uh, audition for a Smucker's jam commercial (laughs) with a little kid. And the parent was in there, this dad, and they were being so hard on the kid. And the kid wanted to cry. And then I just talked to him for a while about his day and kind of tricked him into saying the lines. And I just made friends with this little kid for five minutes. And the kid got the part. I didn't get it. <laughs> the kid got the Smuckers ad. I did half the work for that little shit.
0: You were and you were hired as the child wrangler. Yeah, they're like right. Chris. We don't want to see you in front of the, cam- uh, now the camera. Now it's like
1: I should come clean on my years of wrangling children.
2: Just carry around a fanny pack of juices and yeah, uh, get these kids ready
1: for set. Yeah,
2: Gogurt, Gogurt, anyone who wants <laughs> one.
1: I'm like the blues traveler guy with harmonicas, except it's all Capri Suns.
0: (laughs) I remember when Capri Suns came out, like when I was in like junior high or something. And it was so, it really was, it looked like advanced technology. Like it looked like it was for astronauts. Or it's just like, man, like the future is here. That's so funny. Until you put
1: that, you punched that uh, straw in through the other side. It was very (laughs) difficult. You got to go in and then immediately down. Otherwise, Mm
0: -hmm. you've just wasted
1: what was 1% juice.
0: Yeah, I remember the lemonade flavor. I thought I loved it until I was halfway down. Then I was like, now I have acid reflux (laughs) in sixth grade. What is this fucking product? They used to be really high on themselves, snack
2: foods, like Capri Sun, Dippin' Dots, Ice Cream of the Future, all these, like, weird futuristic promises. It's like, yep, this is corn syrup. We're not doing that much. (laughs) (laughs) This is not innovation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Dippin' Dots never, I never got that because... I always had such guilt, like eating dessert things, where it's like, if this isn't the best thing ever, then what are we doing? And dip and dots felt like almost like a science experiment that you were allowed to eat. <laughs> you know, like it was kind of yeah. like, okay, I get, I get that you love this, the sub zero <laughs> kind of, you know, accomplishment, but. It's not great as mm-hmm. a dessert. Yeah,
1: as I recall, it's just they freeze regular ice cream to the to the point where it balls up into the little like how they make the little balls. Maybe I am into it. <laughs>
0: Well, you're into the science of it, but I don't think you're into, like, the the taste of it, right?
1: I love or it on you? a science level, but don't put that shit in my mouth. I just want to watch how it's made, like cotton candy. Put it in a
0: beaker. Beaker only.
1: It's fun. Yeah, I don't I'll need put to on science. a lab coat and I'll watch you make cotton candy all day, but get that get that shit away from my face. And I mean that. I do not. I've never understood cotton candy.
2: You don't like cotton candy?
1: I don't. I just. I wasn't allowed sugar as a kid, wow. and I just
2: see this is all crazy to me because when I was really young, I worked at a county fair when I was like eight oh. to high school. So, dip and dots, frozen like deep fried ice cream, technology and sugar for no reason because we just need an excuse <laughs> to eat more butter. Like that was that was my jam.
1: Oh <laughs> yes. Oh, if at the fair, I have eaten at the Orange County Fair, too, not in the, the Ozarks or whatever. It was a, a fried stick of butter. I ate that. <laughs> oh, it was somewhat flavored. So it sounds awful. It It is awful. But I don't get me wrong. I'll put that right in my face. But I just don't have the sweet tooth. I got one. Of the, I got this butter tongue. <laughs>
0: wait Suba, so I have a thousand questions for yes. you working at the county fair it's, yes I mean because growing up I did 4-H and so oh, we were too. at the fair
2: did you really who yeah. what did you do did um, you raise animals well, it was in Illinois I worked uh at the Lake
0: County County Fair so that's yeah. weird. nice so wait do you like and Dots as a as I a dessert do.
2: I don't know why I love it it's just weird I'm like
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, give it. <laughs> give me that innovation. So you did you work in one of those little uh, trailer things that basically is like everything fried and then some stuff? No, I worked actually
2: for 4-H. We had a booth there and then I would just sell oh. soda and like Gatorades. So from oh, like nice. eight until I think high school is when they cut you off um, from 4-H somewhere around mm-hmm. there. But yeah. You can't take it to college.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can't. So what was your favorite of all the things you could get at the fair? What was your favorite thing to get?
2: Oh, man, I think probably elephant ears, which if you don't know, aren't actually elephant ears. I don't know why they call it that. It's just a fried dough.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Chris thought you were actually eating it. (laughs) (laughs) Where is this fair? It's such a good dessert. I completely forgot about those things. Oh, they're
2: so good.
1: That's like that tearaway bread, the bread that you tear.
2: But
0: dessert version.
1: Yeah.
2: And it's like coated in sugar and cinnamon and they'll have like jams and stuff in the middle of it. It's so good.
1: I'm not, I have a bit of a sweet tooth because that sounds great right now. If it's bread, Mm -hmm. if it's bready. All right. I'm I'm back in. I'm back in. Yes. Can I get back into
0: the sugar group? Come on. (laughs) Always open the sugar group.
2: I went through different phases because when I was like really young, I was like a little pudgy kid and then I got made fun of. Um, And then, of course, 90s, got an eating disorder and then um, (laughs) beat the eating disorder, but then got pudgy again and then started running cross country and my metabolism bloated. Oh, and yeah. so it was kind of one of those things where you're running miles a day. I could eat whatever. It was like my childhood dream and just be like <laughs> so skinny. So but it's not good for you. They don't tell you that because everything was all about your image. Where They're like, oh, you look good. So it's fine. I literally almost blacked out from malnutrition in college because yeah. I was only eating gummy worms. It was crazy.
1: Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What a way to go!
2: It was wild. I was (laughs) disgusting. I would take Turkey Hill ice cream and Edmonds donuts, and then wait until it got a little soft, and then mash the donuts into the ice cream, and then just
0: eat that for dinner. I was so gross. I had a problem. (laughs) No, but I respect it. That's next level. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, I think that's a good idea
1: because then it's almost like cookie dough ice cream that you're making.
0: No,
2: it was bad, and I hated myself, but I ate it anyway. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's how it is. Do you remember at the fair rosettes where it was like, it was probably the same dough as the elephant ears, but they poured it into the hot grease and then they put a little, like a little um, metal, it almost looked like a stamp. So it made it look like a snowflake or a this or a that. Oh, okay. And then they'd fish them out and then cover them in powdered sugar. It was like, I guess a donut in a way, but uh, crunchier and kind of more... See-through. I think we had those. Those sound good, though. <laughs> Man, they were. It was, and also part of it was you got to watch them make yours. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like a, I want to say the word event, but that's actually not, not the right <laughs> word. But it was, a, you know, like a. It was part watching them make yours was part of the attraction. I yeah. guess attraction. Um, it was really fun, and but then it was just like basically just like super deep fried, grease dough. Yeah. And not even enough dough part, more like a lot of grease. It's crazy.
1: It is. They, at the Western Montana Fair, where I'm from, they had mm. tacos that still to this day, when I think of a taco, that is, it. if you think of a taco drawn like a cartoon taco, it was just a golden crispy <laughs> shell and a bunch of, it was just ground beef, I guess, but oh it gosh. was... I to this and I love authentic Mexican food. It's great, but I wish I could find that fair taco. I have to go all the way to Montana to get it. I think about that taco all the time. <laughs> and so does my sister. We have family discussions <laughs> about that taco.
0: Well, well so you're young, so it like really made an impression. Yeah,
1: it made an impression.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I hope you never
2: find it because it's not going to be as good as the taco <laughs> no, it's, in wh- your dreams. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be
1: one of those disappointing things. I liked yeah. this as a kid. I was disgusting. And then all of a sudden I feel bad about my whole life.
0: What <laughs> Did it have a slice of cheese? Um,
1: it was processed, shredded. It was like Kraft singles, but somehow no. it was it was shredded. Yeah that, yeah, that was the other thing. Not real cheese, no dairy in that cheese. No, no, <laughs> and I want one right now. My mouth is watering.
0: <laughs> I know it sounds really good. Like, there used to be a place called Henry's Tacos on the corner of like, um, to, it doesn't matter. Well, Tito's <laughs> is so close.
1: The, the one with the I love Tito's tacos. You love Tito's too. The only thing better I'm, than the Tito's taco <laughs> is two. Uh, that song and they fly through the air. Though I've uh, people stand in line for that place, and Where? it is the closest thing I've found. So I'm back to, to thinking that, I was right.
0: To <laughs> the fair tacos? Yeah.
1: Tito's Tacos okay. are very much like those Montana fair tacos.
0: Where's Tito's though?
1: Well, there was one when I, there. it's the corner of Sepulveda and Washington Boulevard. <laughs> There's a Tito's there. That's a free plug for the Tito's <laughs> people. There's a long line like Pink's Hot Dogs. That doesn't make sense. So you put that <laughs> thing in your mouth. Oh, man. Tito's taco. (laughs) Oh, Tito's. Unofficial sponsor.
0: (laughs) It's so, uh, this is the reason, and I also, of course, as any woman would have had several eating disorders, but there's a, it's so fun to talk about food in that way, (laughs) like food you love in that way, especially like at this time of night, where you're just kind of like, (laughs) I, it just made me think, oh yeah, you can probably get the tacos at Del Taco, the hard shell tacos are a lot like those old kind of 80s tacos.
1: Yeah. And I promise you both, because of this discussion, that is exactly what I'm going to seek for dinner this evening.
0: <laughs> seek it out.
1: I can't. I, I'm hungry right now. Now we're talking about it. The last thing I'm going to do is go grocery shopping. I'll spend $300. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go need get
2: tacos. To eat a Del Taco. I know I've like, because I grew up in the Midwest, I've always been like a Taco Bell girl. So yeah. I don't know why I felt
0: loyalty to the bell. Yeah, like you have to pick a team, like the Chicago Bears. You have to pick a team and stick with them. <laughs> I was like, for what? Um,
2: but I heard Del Taco is actually better now. But I gotta, I gotta switch over.
0: Yeah, Del Taco. It helps when you're drunk and like <laughs> in the drive-through at 3 a.m. because they have they kind of go all over the map with fast food. So you're all drunk and you're kind of like, oh, I want to. I'll get a quesadilla. And fries, like you, oh, it, and you blow your own drunk mind with the <laughs> options that you can kind of put together for yourself. They really kind of cover it that way. But then they also just do have old-fashioned um, tacos. I just feel like t- I love Taco Bell in that way, but uh, there's just something a little more like o- OG about the tacos yeah. at Del Taco.
1: And you know what you're going to get? That was the first... Pl- place that came to my small town and my mom was a vegetarian so in the fridge we just had a cold block of tofu that
0: oh, yeah. <laughs> she wasn't
1: passionate about uh preparing so i would sneak off and the the closest place was taco bell i'd come in i'd jam it in my sleeve i'd hide it uh to this day i'm sorry mom that i, I was eating taco bell on your roof
0: but the good news yes, is the I'm meat sorry.
1: isn't real meat i believe <laughs> Isn't it half sawdust or
0: or asbestos? They did a test and they're just like almost no meat in here, and everyone's like, "Okay, that's fine. That's fine. We'll we'll deal with it." Yeah,
1: it's a clear sign it was coming out of a caulking gun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did a show the other night at the at the belly room at the comedy store, and it was you were supposed to bring food from your childhood that sparked stories. Oh. And I so I really did hide a burrito in my sleeve and brought the <laughs> tofu and then I was eating it as a secret burrito. It was it was fun. It was fun. That was fun.
0: Did you do that on stage?
1: Yeah, everyone brought uh, that's co brought uh, this bagged uh, curry and we all put it in a big pile. It was gross, but the audience It was like all of a sudden everyone was on an adult episode of Double Dare. Everyone got so (laughs) excited about playing with food and we were passing it around. I'm not kidding. And the audience was trying it, trying this curry chicken on top of the tofu with a little bit. Oh, it it was very fun. That's hilarious. Yeah, I I had so much fun. Usually I feel uncomfortable when I'm not allowed to do my stand up and I'm on stage. A panic washes over me, but... It just became a fun food game show. (laughs) It was great. Do you guys not like those like homework shows? I try to where you agree to it and it's like, oh, you have to do material about this topic. And it's like, shit, I have to write all day.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm just always tired. So, like, anytime there's more work, (laughs) I'm like, oh, why? There's no money. (laughs) Like, why did I
0: do this? (laughs) Yes. For a long time, um, was it it was Brian Cook's erotic fan fiction show? Yes. Where he would ask me to do it and I'd be like, I just can't see a time. And there were some he was like, you can just do it night of and get a theme. And I'm like, well, then I'll just fail. And I won't have that. <laughs> like, I will not publicly fail, but I also won't do the work beforehand because right. there's some people that write beforehand. But I finally ended up doing it. It was actually really fun because the audience knows you just wrote it. Yes. So they're not yeah. expecting great thing you know they're not expecting you to be mind-blowing yeah but
1: I think the key I with that show yeah do it at the last minute and impress them with hey I did this in 10 minutes if you do it overnight yes. and you come in with it oh man all this pressure for it to be polished <laughs> material no thank you
0: yeah
2: yeah, no, that's the thing is, though, they do end up normally being fun, like, when you're actually doing them, but, like, leading up to it, you're like, oh, God, no, <laughs> like, I don't want to do yeah. this. You
1: know? Suba, so, have, you, have you ever done any of these roasts? Have you ever roasted another comic? That's something I've <laughs> never done.
2: I did. I, it, it's, I don't like it. Pfft. I did it. I did it a lot, because it was really popular in, like, New York for a hot second. Oh, sure. Of course. Yeah. So, like, I did a couple of them, but, no, I was, like... Now I think I've had enough therapy where I could maybe do it again and actually have fun. But it was like, it wasn't fun for me. I would genuinely get angry. Like I could feel myself getting angry through the roast
1: because of what they were saying, or you felt bad about what you were saying or just,
0: um, I didn't feel bad until after, but because
1: of what they were
0: saying. Yes. I don't understand how people do it where it's just like, sometimes those jokes are so funny because someone has really sat down and thought about like not the overt thing to criticize you about, but something very like subtle. Um, I don't understand how people withstand it. I truly have no interest, never want to be anywhere near that.
1: Yeah. It scares me. I've gone to the, the comedy store once and they go right for it. They're like, so-and-so's mom died, and as a kid, they had leg braces, and then they do that, and I'm like, oh, my God, you did research, and you feel comfortable bringing that? And you can see the comic that's like, oh, I guess I signed up for this, but they're sad. Yeah. They're thinking about their mom and their old leg braces.
0: It's sad. <laughs> it makes me feel terrible. It's horrifying. I think they've reversed it these days because there's the the one that's like compliments.
2: Oh, I've heard, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That can't there was a it, battle so. rap version where you had to actually rap at UCB, and oh, no. I can't remember who. I, <laughs> oh, I went up against. I it was maybe someone from the audience, but we he uh, he and I decided to do that anyway, and it was so fun to be like rhyme about hey I like your sweater, you have a symmetrical <laughs> face, uh, and then another thing that rhymed. I was obviously very good at it.
0: <laughs> in the moment, yeah, You're in saying? the moment.
1: I'm not going to rap right now. Yeah, yeah. you've <laughs> heard all my rhymes. I do a lot of rapping on here.
2: We've all we all listened to your mixtape before oh, this. Oh
1: <laughs> man, of uh, another one drops first of the year. Which reminds this is this will air in uh, mid January, I think. But this is our last recording of 2022, so we should all reflect on this past year. And say what was your favorite terrible thing about the past year? <laughs> was it the inflation or the the mass oh hate crimes? <laughs> what I actually what did did anything good happen this year? Is there anything that you're thankful for, Suba?
2: um, yeah. I mean I got married, so that was That's fun. a good one. Hey! <laughs> nice. So Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> That was very fun. Very expensive, uh, but very Uh, fun. And it was so stressful. I did end up (laughs) before it end up in the. I mean, it was the best day of my life. But before it, I did end up in the hospital because they thought uh, I was having a heart attack. But it was just all the stress from spending. I because I grew up with immigrant parents. And then like I've always again, I've never felt like if I if I fucked up, I never thought my parents would support me. So I've always mm -hmm. been super stressed about money. And then to suddenly just Spend thousands of dollars. Like my Ugh. brain couldn't handle it. Oh,
0: yeah.
2: And uh I like genuinely ended up in the hospital with just stress. They thought it was a heart attack. And um wow. I, because of the wedding and like a bunch of other expenses that came out of nowhere. And then <laughs> they were trying to charge me $6,000 for it, even though I have oh. health insurance. But do you I want me to today... have another
1: panic attack? <laughs>
2: yeah. But wait, what? <laughs> but. I found out today I don't have to pay any of it because I didn't have enough money in my bank account. So, <laughs> Yeah, wow.
0: that's right. I was like,
2: yeah, that's right. I spent that shit on samosas. Good luck getting it for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's all
0: gone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Yeah, they. that's one thing I didn't know about. And they, of course, don't necessarily advertise it. But hospitals do have a financial aid mm-hmm. uh, department. And I remember writing a letter asking for, hey, I got all this blood work done. I was misled uh, and it was thousands of dollars. I wrote a letter and then they wrote back and they're like, okay, we took care of it. And I'm like, oh, I didn't want you to cover (laughs) all of it. Now I feel like I'm taking advantage of a system that's made for other people, but... If I was able to show my bank account and they dictate it from that, I wouldn't feel bad. Did you actually show them? Like, here's what I have in my Wells Fargo.
2: Yeah, they like made me send in um, three months of bank records and shit. It was crazy. And then um, I was single technically when it happened. So they asked if I was married and I was like, no, you're not seeing my husband's bank (laughs) That's right.
1: Because he's a comic too, right, Sean?
2: Um, yeah, yeah, he is, but he's doing much better than me. Uh, <laughs> 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 so you yeah, I, I would have felt so bad if I like heart attacked my way into his bank account. I'm like, I can't.
1: Like we just got married. Heart attacked his way. Oh, that's great. No, that's, that, so that's awesome. honest. They they decided what you had to pay based on that. It's, it's yeah. uh, that's a great system. Look at this scam. We're here to tell. There's <laughs> one good thing about the healthcare system that we've heard today. Anything you've planned for the new year? Things you're going to change? You want to? If you say your resolution out loud, does it not come true, or is that? <laughs> no, that's shooting stars. Yeah, it's a different thing. What are you going to work on this year?
2: I don't know. I'm like. Uh, Is it terrible to be like, I've given up? No, I (laughs) I don't know either. I
1: just threw it in your court because I don't know.
2: I'm like, I'm just going to keep trying. I told myself I can drop five hours of comedy and then I can safely quit and not feel bad. Because I'm Mm -hmm. like, if I do five hours, (laughs) I'm like, this still isn't like what I want. Then I can walk away. And I'm almost done with the second hour. So I'm going to drop that. And then I'm like, oh, I'm halfway done. So that's kind of where I am.
0: You're taking a real actuarial approach to comedy here. <laughs> and minus this, and we're almost there. We've got eight years to go.
1: There's graphs. There's a chart. <laughs>
0: that's the way to, That's
2: one way to do it. How about you guys? Anything in New Year's resolutions? Anything well, in the New Year?
1: I did on the last episode uh, promise, uh, Karen, because I, I, I want to do therapy, and I think it's important, and uh, that's my only plan.
2: Oh, that's good. And
1: to see if they give me some sweet, sweet brain drugs.
0: <laughs> Mine's stretching. It's yeah. lazy. It's very low. Um, you know, it's I'm not really reaching for the stars in any way, <laughs> right. but then I'm like, maybe I'll build from there. Yeah. But I being already being middle-aged, and like when I get up in the morning and it's like ugh, Uh, Like it's such, it's so hacky, but it's really true where like you reach, you know, you get like past 45 and then suddenly you're just kind of like you become the tin man. So (laughs) I went through like my 20s and even a little bit of my 30s so kind of devil may care about all that stuff. And now I'm just like, this is about to seriously bite me in the ass. So before (laughs) like my back just goes out one day, I'm going to try to, you know. Get a little, just like stretch it out a little bit. Yeah, like, I
1: want to change mine to stretching.
0: <laughs> you're, you're stealing mine. <laughs> no, I'm just
1: joining you.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah,
1: for support. All right.
2: <laughs> stretching for is stretching so support. Important. It's so important. I don't think uh, it's like funny because some of my friends who are the healthiest have like the shittiest genetics, um, where it's just like your body attacks you, and I had like. Um, because I had like a permanent ankle injury from dodgeball. I don't know why they allow that in schools. So. I, I, I had to like learn to like stretch and actually take it seriously because like there were points where I was like in my 20s and I was like, I think I need a cane. I was like, I can't have a cane. I was,
0: like, I'm not cool enough to pull this off. So, it's going to seem like an affectation if yeah. I have to use a cane. Yeah,
1: anytime I have a cane, I just without without even thinking about it, I end up doing some Charlie Chaplin walk and it's embarrassing
2: (laughs) i was like oh great another musical theater nerd (laughs) but yeah no i started like doing taking stretching and physical therapy and stuff more seriously and it's like oh my god it it's i
0: i hate when wellness is correct i don't know why i'm resistant Mm -hmm. to it
1: (laughs) yeah yeah but i
0: hate it it's you i think it's because of the people that try to bring it yeah to the public are the kind of people who I'm like, if this was a bar, I would walk away yeah, from why are you so yelling? So the idea that I have to listen to you in this situation is so irritating. They're always
1: <laughs> yelling. There's a guy on Instagram that yells at you while he's running. And I'm like, you are making me <laughs> never want to run again. Why are you That's yelling? That's so funny.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I, I forgot. There's, I have a pile of blankets and warm clothes for the sidewalk project. And I need to take that in. That's another, that's a pre. Mm. I've been, I left, I have this pile here, and now it's been sitting here so long that I've just been plucking from it. And I'm like, oh, maybe (laughs) I still want to wear this. It's bad. I got to take it in. That is. Wait,
0: are you now just going into a to do list? That's not the same as New Year's resolution. Here's my other resolution. It's not a resolution.
1: (laughs) Yeah. My other resolution is those tacos tonight. (laughs) still
0: taco is my resolution (laughs) my new year's
1: resolution is a shower in the morning (laughs) give my dad my flight info
0: (laughs) and tacos at night (laughs) well it was delightful to meet you and get to talk to you thank you so much for doing this episode with us no thank you this was
2: so much fun uh i had a blast this was really fun yeah and you're and you're
1: hilarious do you have uh anything coming up that you want to plug or
2: or do you do a podcast yourself? Oh, yeah. I do. Um, Talk about I have that. a podcast called Family Gems where we just have people come in and like share one or two silly family stories. So that's fun. And then I also have an album called Dog Show that you can download anywhere.
1: <laughs> that's true. Dog Show. That sounds like that's why that show I mentioned, the family dinner thing, was so fun. It is uh, hearing other people's family stories. Having that topic, that does not seem like homework. And there's always jokes. Yeah, I don't think yeah. every comic needs to realize how many jokes there are in just talking about your family because I don't on stage, really. Um, yeah, and
2: it's just like fun stories. Sometimes comics are like, you want us to talk shit about her?" I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no. <laughs> like,
1: just, no. You just, can you
0: just tell story? a delightful story. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> get on, talk about your dad and cry. It's a podcast. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you for being with us today, no, Suba. You've you. been terrific. You've been listening to Do You Need a Ride? <laughs> <D-Y-N-A-R>. AR. <laughs> this has been an Exactly Right production. Produced by
0: Annalise Nelson. Mixed by Edson Choi. Our talent booker is Patrick Kotner. Theme song by Karen Kilgariff. Artwork by Chris Fairbanks. Follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Dynar Podcast. That's D-Y-N-A-R Podcast.
1: For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome.